Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? How's everybody doing this morning? You guys sound like you're doing terrible. Listen, we like to clap a lot at the Bridge Church where I'm from in Philadelphia. So if you're just pumped to be in God's house this morning, can we give Jesus some worship? Isn't it worthy of it? Wow. You guys have such a gift in Pastor Matthew. He did a great job. Uh, Man, I was blown away. And I was encouraged just singing and dancing over there. Uh, Can I say that? Can I say dancing? I was dancing. And uh, I love to dance. We love to dance at the Bridge Church. And man, um, the first song that we sang, Praise the Lord, uh, that's where the blessed life really begins, doesn't it? Psalm 112 says, praise the Lord. That's where the blessed life begins. If you're going to uh, you know, wonder, what is the blessed life all about? That's what it's all about. It's, it starts with knowing who God is and what his plan is in the world. Because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do in you and me for our good and his glory. So I'm already like amped up this morning. I'm just going to kind of hit the road running if that's okay with you. Is that okay with you guys? All right, go to 2 Kings chapter 22 and just kind of keep your place there. Uh, We're not going to read everything in uh, all of the passages this morning because there's a lot of verses in chapters 22 and 23 of 2 Kings. And then flip over to 2 Chronicles and just kind of hold your place in 2 Chronicles 34. We're going to kind of use that narrative as the backdrop of our answering this question this morning. What is the blessed life? What is the blessed life? Everybody say that on the count of three. One, two, three. All right. So some of you teachers who I had, uh, you're pretty good students also. Great job. Uh, Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we, we just lift up your name. And we ask that we would take the background. That you would take the lead this morning. That you would take the lead in our families. You would take the lead in the, the spiritual life of Greater Beckley Christian School this year. You'd take the lead at Faith Baptist Church. You'd take the lead in Pastor Chris's life that he wouldn't be leading this church, but he would be leading it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, Just a little bit of background about myself. Uh, My name is Aaron. I am a Harding. And I grew up in this area, um, so I claim West Virginia as my home. Some of my brothers couldn't wait to get out of here, but I would love to just come back and live in wild, wonderful West Virginia, but that has never been God's plan for my life. He's taken me all over uh, the world, really, Thailand, Maui, and now been in Philadelphia for about 10 years. Been the lead pastor of a church called The Bridge Church right outside of Philadelphia, home of the 2018 Super Bowl champions, by the way the way. You got some booze. What are you guys like Washington Redskins fans, Cleveland Browns fans? Like what, what West Virginia is just Patriot fans. Wow. So I'll be preaching hellfire and brimstone to those people this morning. But, um, I've been married for 14 years, 
to my very best friend. That was the best advice my dad ever gave me and my brothers was to marry your best friend. That's what I did. We've been married 14 years, have four awesome kids, 11, 9, 7, and 6, I think. And uh, one boy, three girls, and uh, they just they bring so much joy uh, to my life. Um, and uh, so I'm just thrilled to be here this morning. They're actually not with me. Martha, she's on staff at the church and she's uh, working this morning. And uh, the girls, they start school tomorrow. They certainly wish they could have been here. But uh, it's just me. You're stuck with me for about a week. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, what is a blessed life? My dad actually called me several months ago. We were talking about this. And when it was clear that I was going to be speaking during the Greater Beckley Spiritual Emphasis Week, I started thinking more along this lines, what is a blessed life? So I did what any normal human being would do. I, I went to uh, Google and I just started typing in, you know, what, what, is, what is a blessed life? And, you know, I was getting all kinds of weird answers. So I thought the next best thing, let's go to Instagram. Instagram's got to give us some good answers. So that's exactly what I did. And there seems to be a whole lot of confusion about what a blessed life actually is. Look at this. Like if you just go to your Instagram and you type in hashtag blessed, just the hashtag blessed itself comes up with almost 97 million posts. 97 million people think that they're living a hashtag blessed life. But then there's hashtag blessed white praying hands, hashtag blessed Asian praying hands, hashtag blessed black praying hands, hashtag blessed hands, hashtag blessed life. And, and the list goes on and on and on. Hundreds of millions of people think they're living the hashtag blessed life. So I thought, okay, a lot of people think they're blessed. So I wonder how they're describing their blessed life. So I started scrolling through some of the top posts and this is what I found. Look at this, waffles and fried chicken. Waffles and fried chicken. Now, if I'm going to be completely honest, this guy's not too far off base, right? I mean, hashtag blessed waffles. But here's another one. Uh, my Ferrari, for, Ferrari rich forever, hashtag blessed. Poker chips. This was probably taken at the beginning of the night. wonder if he's still feeling hashtag blessed. It's probably like hashtag punked or hashtag robbed. Uh, Nike Air Max. Three, you know, this lady's got three different shoes, uh, same shoe, three different, you know, colors and models and hashtag blessed. Um, this next one is awesome. It's a beautiful pick. Um, beautiful. Look, isn't that gorgeous? But, but I was looking at that and I'm like, Walking alone in a hot desert doesn't really sound like the blessed life to me, right? Um, but they're hashtag blessed. I decided to add one of my own. Um, Adley, my youngest, she's massaging my feet. Uh, my oldest is back there giving me a nice back and shoulder rub. And then Emma is fanning me with a paper plate. Hashtag blessed praying hands, Right? I get it. That's silly. Um, but really, what is the blessed life? It doesn't seem like people really know, do they? They think they're living the blessed life. Maybe you think you're living a blessed life. You've got a great career. You've got a nice family. But is that what a blessed life really is about? Everything going good for you. 
Because what about when things aren't so good? What about when you find out that your mom has cancer? What about when you find out that your children are deaf? Well, what about when things aren't so good? Can you still be blessed? Can you still be living a blessed life in those times? Some of you are like, yes, you can. Preach it, brother. And some of you are like, I'm not so sure because I don't feel blessed right now. And let's be honest, for the Christian, I think sometimes the blessed life has become our version of the good life. College scholarship, hashtag blessed. Unexpected race, hashtag blessed. Wonderful family, hashtag blessed. Fried chicken and waffles for breakfast, hashtag God bless America. What is a blessed life? You know, all your friends are getting married. You're still single. Hashtag blessed, question mark. People are buying houses. You can't afford a loan. Hashtag blessed, question mark. You're surrounded by people with dream jobs, expensive cars, perfect bodies, and you're still you know, working nine to five, driving a beater, and have never used the gym membership you've had for two years. Hashtag blessed. If any of these scenarios sound familiar, maybe you've wondered, like, why is everyone else getting blessed except for me? Why does everyone else seem to be living the blessed life? Why do a hundred million people seem to be living the Ferrari rich life? I can't even say that. Where's my Ferrari? Where's my healthy body? Where's my intact family? The number one reason most of us don't feel blessed is because we're constantly focused on things that we don't have. Romans 10 verse 12 says this, there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and he richly blesses all who call on him. The same Lord is Lord of all and he richly blesses all who call on him. God doesn't love the believer in the expensive house any more than he loves the believer in the rental on the bad side of town. If you've believed in Jesus for eternal life that can never be lost, by the way, you are a child of God and you are hashtag blessed. The apostle Paul really said it best. He said, I know how to live humbly and I know how to have everything. I know how to abound. I'm accustomed to any and every situation. I'm accustomed to being filled and to being hungry, to having plenty and having need. I can do All things through Christ who gives me strength. The blessed life then is Christ in me, working through me for my good and for his glory. Whether you have nothing or whether you have everything, the key is who or what you're turning to. Paul said, when I have nothing, I count on Jesus. Paul said, when I have everything, I count on Jesus. Are you counting on Jesus? Are you teaching your children to count on Jesus? 
What's more important to you, that they depend on Jesus or that they get into the college of their choice? I'm not saying academics aren't important. They're very important. But they're not more important than counting on Jesus. There's a history in the Bible in 2 Kings 22 about a young man who was known as the last good king of Israel. I actually like to call this man the blessed king of Israel. His name's Josiah. And we can read about him in 2 Kings. We're going to read just a couple verses. 2 Kings chapter 22, starting verse 1. It's on the screen. Why don't you read it out loud with me? And Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Now, let's just take a brief look at the timeline of Josiah's life. Josiah lived about 650 years before Jesus was born. Um, At just eight years of age, his father, King Ammon, died. And uh, he died in a coup. His friends uh, conspired against him. They overthrew the kingdom. And then those friends, they they got removed. And Josiah, this eight-year-old young man, is thrust into power. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse three tells us something interesting. Josiah is 16 years old at this point, And this is what the Bible says. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Remember that it's important. Scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of light. So if you're going to be on this quest for the blessed life, seeking God is a good place to start. Just four years later, he's 20 years old. By this point, he began systematically knocking down shrines and every stronghold from city to city and displacing the wicked leaders in the city, putting good leaders in place. At 26, he commissioned a a renovation of the temple building. He's leading at this point. He discovers an ancient scroll. Most scholars believe that what they discovered was a portion of scripture from Deuteronomy that actually was penned by Moses himself. Um, that would have been pretty, pretty awesome to find. And uh, that's what he did. And then he led the nation into this a spiritual revival for the next 13 years. The Bible tells us that the entire kingdom sought the Lord. An entire generation. And this wasn't supposed to happen, by the way. God had already pronounced judgment on Judah. Israel had already been judged. Judah was next. He'd already pronounced judgment. But Josiah found the scroll in the temple. Actually, one of his servants, Hilkiah, did. And then he reads it and and he, he, he rips his clothes off and he repents. And he says, we've got to change because we're not living a blessed life. And so they began seeking the Lord, doing what was right. But there's some things that I want you to notice about Josiah's life. That maybe, maybe if we were to take a really close examination of Josiah's life, maybe we'd find that 
the blessed life that he lived wasn't so Instagram worthy. I mean, think about this. Josiah had a sketchy past. He had a really sketchy past. His grandfather, Manasseh, look at this, 2 Kings 21. And he, Manasseh, his grandfather, Josiah's grandfather, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. 2 Kings 21, verse 6, he sacrificed his own son on the altar. 2 Kings 21, 11, he, Manasseh, is even more wicked than the Amorites who lived in this land before Israel. 2 Kings 21, 16, Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other end with innocent blood. That was Josiah's grandfather, not a great dude. Um, he did have a change of heart near the end of his life. But he goes down in history as one of Israel's bloodiest kings. His dad wasn't much better. Second Kings 21, verse 20. He, Ammon, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done, like father, like son. He followed the example of his father, worshiping the same idols his father had worshipped. Verse 22, he abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the Lord's ways. Then Ammon's own officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. Josiah's heritage was absolutely tragic. His past was horrendous. His grandfather was a murderer and a mystic, Sacrificed his own children and, and ritual abuse. His dad was just a punk kid. His dad was a punk who just ravaged God's house and made a mockery of anyone who would follow the Lord. It was a dark time for Josiah to be born. You know, what do you do when your grandfather followed black magic and your dad's a scoundrel? Your nation is absolutely corrupt. Do you follow suit? Same old, same old. Some assumed that he would. Branded him even as a, as a delinquent before he was born. Chip off the old block. You could almost hear the people moan. I wonder if he's going to be just like his dad. They were wrong though. He wasn't. Josiah reversed the trend he broke that cycle. He defied the odds. He had a sketchy past, but he wasn't enslaved to that past. Notice something else, though. When he became king, it was an uncertain time for Judah. Uh, Josiah's enemies were closing in. And in particular, the Assyrians, they had just moved south. They had taken over Israel. And a lot of the people in the other part of Israel, Judah, the other kingdom that had not been overthrown yet, they were, they were kind of scared of these Assyrians. These Assyrians, they were not good people. They were not to be trifled with. Here's what one Assyrian king wrote. This is from Asser Narsipal. He said, I built a pillar over against his gate and I flayed all the chief men. I covered the pillar with their skins. Just brutal. Some of them I impaled upon the pillar on stakes. Many captives I burned with fire. From some I cut off their hands and their fingers. From others I cut off their noses, their ears. Of many I put out their eyes. 
These weren't people you wanted to make angry. And because of their movements south, it it seemed like it was only a matter of time before they were going to conquer the kingdom of Judah. This means Josiah is the king during a time of unrest and uncertainty. He's got no idea what's going to happen, including if Assyria is going to come carry his people into captivity and possibly him and his entire family. Not only that, but the country had moved into this time of religious syncretism. They were worshiping all kinds of foreign gods, mostly from Assyria. They figured, you know, maybe if worshiping the Assyrian gods will keep them happy. That's exactly what we're going to do. That's how a lot of people parent, by the way. Not a good idea. Hashtag not the blessed life. Well, if it'll, it'll make them shut up. I'll give him this piece of chocolate, right? Josiah said, no, no, no. We're not going to appease the Assyrians. We're not going to pacify them anymore. It's under all this that Josiah is ruling. It's with this pressure. And by the way, he's 16 years old. He decides to destroy all the false gods, tear down all the places of worship. It's a pretty bold move. Josiah follows God's command to destroy all the idols of Assyria, even as they watch him do it. Do whatever, Josiah. Just don't make the Assyrians mad. Just do what your grandpa and your dad did. Josiah saw things that weren't pleasing to the Lord, and he said, no, this is, this is not what we're going to do. But then the story takes a sad turn. It's kind of interesting that this is included in this account of Josiah. The king of Egypt was heading up the Euphrates River to fight another kingdom. And Josiah takes his army and he marches out to meet this king, King Nico. And uh, the king tells Josiah, he said, listen, God told me not to fight with you today. That's what he, that's what he says. A pagan king said to him, do not interfere with God's plans. And look at this. This is really sad. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him. But he disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico from the mouth of God but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo. And the archer shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, take me away, for I am badly wounded. Josiah died because of a single moment of counterfeit identity. Hashtag blessed. A single moment, Josiah is the king that was known for turning Israel around, for turning Judah around. He was known for being a person that sought the Lord. He was known for being a person that turned wholeheartedly to the Lord. And in a single moment, when he put that cloak, when he disguised himself and he stepped outside of his identity in God, and he took on the appearance of a false 
identity. People weren't able to look and say, oh, that's Josiah. Don't mess with him. That's God's child. That's God's man. That's God's king. They didn't know. He was killed on accident. They weren't gunning for him. Nico didn't even want to fight him. In a single moment of counterfeit identity, Josiah dies. Hashtag blessed. Look at this. Because I'm just going to tell you the answer. Yes, he was hashtag blessed. Here's how I know. Because God said he was. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25. Before him, Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. These are words from, from God. There is no king like Josiah. That's what God said. Hashtag blessed. Yes. This is what God thinks about Josiah. The word blessed literally means define favor. There's no king like Josiah. Wow. Now that's not a bad epitaph when it's written by God, right? No king like Josiah. It's so cool to be here this morning because so many of you, some of you aren't even aware of the impact and the influence that you had on my life. But there's no teacher like Mr. C who turned his heart to the Lord. And there's no teacher like Miss Talent who turned her heart to the Lord. There's no professor like Miss Parvin who turned her heart to the Lord and gave me a D. But what if it was said there's no husband like Josh Davis who turned his heart to the Lord? What if there was no pastor like Chris who turned his heart and his church to the Lord? If that's what's said about any one of us when we're gone, I'd say we lived a pretty blessed life. But the question still lingers, why would God include such a sad ending of such a blessed life? Couldn't he have left that part out of the Bible? I think God wanted to show us something about who he is and what it means to be blessed. The brokenness which is what we are as humans doesn't disqualify you from living a blessed life. It's not in your achievements, and Josiah achieved a lot. It's not in what people think about you, and people thought very good about Josiah. It's not in how successful you are, and he was incredibly successful. It's not about what you can accumulate. The blessed life is anything that draws us nearer to God in the experience of God's grace. See, Josiah's sketchy past was a blessing because it made him seek another path. Josiah's enemies were a blessing because it made Josiah dependent on God's strength and not his own. Josiah's battle was an opportunity for blessing 
But rather than seeking God in this particular battle, he sought the victory. We don't know why. We just know that's what he did. But his life teaches us some important lessons. And we know from God that even though Josiah made a grave mistake, literally, at the end of his life, he lived a blessed life. And by the way, God is bigger than your biggest mistake. Here's a few lessons that he teaches us. One, you can rise above your past and make a difference. Or you can remain controlled by your past and make excuses. Well, the Assyrians are going to get us anyway. So I might as well just maintain the status quo. You know, my dad and my granddad, they messed up this whole kingdom. I'm just an eight-year-old boy. I'm just a 16-year-old teenager. I'm just a 20-year-old young man. I can't turn an entire country around. No, he couldn't. But God could. And God did. Why? Because Josiah turned his heart to the Lord. Here's another lesson we can learn from Josiah's life. Submitting our plans to God's leading in the midst of uncertainty is the only sure way to live a blessed life. One of the greatest lessons that my parents taught my brothers and I was to simply trust God. I can't tell you how many times we didn't have dinner and God provided dinner. I can't tell you how many times I went to school, even at Greater Beckley. No, no child would ever go to Greater Beckley without lunch. I did. And God provided me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Because a parent the day before noticed that I didn't have lunch that day. So she packed an extra peanut butter and jelly sandwich with her son who was in my class. I sit down and he sits down and he says, here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you. Submitting our plans to God's leading in the midst of uncertainty is the only sure way to live a blessed life. Sometimes as parents, we want to, we want to make sure that our kids are secure and that's all good. But life is hard. Life is incredibly hard. And you can't predict everything that happens in life. You can't predict anything that happens in life. But you know what you can predict? You can predict the goodness of God. Every single time. Life is hard. But God is good. You know what that mantra does for me? I say that every morning. And I tell my kids that. I sign it to my girls. I'm like, life is hard. And they know that life is hard. And sometimes when they get in trouble, they look at me and they go, dad, life is hard. I'm like, yes, it is. It's very hard. But God is good. This allows me to continue to trust him. This allows me to continue to do the right thing, even if it's not the popular thing, even if it's not the easy thing. Do you think it was easy for Josiah to start tearing down the gods of this fierce enemy? No. But that's exactly what he did. Why? Because it was the right thing to do. And God blessed him and his nation for that. And here's kind of the last lesson, and really it's my favorite lesson from Josiah's life. 
And we learn this lesson even in Josiah's death. God's greatest blessing always rests in God himself. I think it's so interesting that in that one moment when Josiah took on a different identity, that's, that's when he died. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, right? But man, isn't it true I think that's what Paul said at the beginning. We read that verse. You know, I've had a lot. I've had nothing. But I've learned to be content. Why? Because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Before Josiah, there was no king like him. Turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. The blessed life, it's not a guarantee of a perfect life. It's not even the guarantee of of being exempt from tragedy. I mean, his death was tragic. And you can read about how the nation felt about that tragedy in Lamentations chapter 5. They knew that as soon as Josiah was dead, that things were not going to be good in Judah. And they lamented that. Nonetheless, he was still a blessed king. The blessed life is a result of faith in God, obedience to his word, and a heart that seeks him above everything else. You know what I love about Josiah? He wasn't known for his biggest mistake. He wasn't known for that. He was known for restoring the temple. He was known for finding God's word. He was known for tearing his clothes off and repenting and leading hundreds of thousands of people to repentance. A church back in Philadelphia is 650 people. If all 650 of those people turned their hearts to the Lord wholeheartedly, I would feel blessed. I would feel blessed. Josiah led hundreds of thousands of people to seek the Lord. An entire generation experienced the grace of God. 31 years for 31 years, three decades, people experienced the grace of God because of Josiah's blessed life. You can't determine what's going to happen after you die. You have no control about what happened before you were born. But you can make a choice now to seek the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. You can do that. And if you do that, you will live a blessed life, even if you have nothing. How do I know if I'm living a blessed life? Three questions that you can ask. Am I making a difference? Am I influencing people Positively, Am I pointing people to Jesus? You know, little things make a big difference. How are you helping people? Maybe come to church every week. That's great. But is that really making a difference in someone else's life? God doesn't bless you so that you can just kind of sit and starve, right? He blesses you so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's why he blesses you. And the blessing isn't about you. It's about his presence in you. So in your everyday life, are you making a difference? Or are you just clogging up space? Are you just a cobweb in this closet that we call life? 
Are you making a positive difference in the people that you interact with on a daily basis? Or are you known as Mr. Negativity? Or are you known as Miss Cynic? What are you known as? Are you known as someone who is wholeheartedly serving the Lord? Wow, that person, they've got some joy in their life. That's what I want to be known as. Have you ever met Aaron Harding? Oh, that you met that guy that likes to dance? Yeah, that's, that's what I want to be known as. Dancing for the Lord. Like, what do you, like, are you, are you really making a difference in people's lives? Josiah made a difference in people's lives. The greatest, the greatest way to be a blessing to someone else is to let them see Jesus in you. And if you stop at the grocery store and you see someone behind you, maybe, maybe it's a, a mom and she's got three, four, five kids trailing behind. What's $70? Pay for her groceries with no strings attached. If she chases you down in the parking lot and asks you why, tell her because you love her with the love of Jesus. Jesus helped you and you want to you help someone else. If she looks at you with that quizzical look, Ask her if she'd like a little bit more information. Invite her to church. Let them see Jesus in you. Here's another question you can ask. Am I setting aside my own agendas and aspirations to pursue God's mission? Man, church, Christians, we love our own agendas, don't we? We love them. And we have so many personal aspirations. And when our pastor doesn't meet those aspirations, and when he doesn't fulfill our agenda, we get mad. Oh, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe some of you are those people. We get mad. Listen, we've got one job, one mission. That is to reach people far from God and show them how to follow Jesus. One mission. Every single believer has been commissioned by Jesus himself to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever he commands us. And he's going to be with us always. That's our job. It doesn't matter what color the building is. It doesn't even matter if we have a building, to be honest with you. Are you setting aside your own agendas and aspirations to pursue God's mission? Josiah did. He did something that his dad and his granddad were not willing to do. He said, no, this isn't right. The way we're living isn't right. We're not living the blessed life. You know, we're ambassadors of Christ That's what Paul says. It means we're God's royal representatives. Are you representing Jesus well? Are you representing his mission? Here's the final one. Am I abiding in Christ? John 15 verse five says, if anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Aaron, that's all great, but how do I live a blessed life? How do I do it? 
It's really simple. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You see, if you just do that, you don't have to wonder whether or not you're living a blessed life. You will live a blessed life. Am I living a blessed life? Are you pursuing Jesus? Are you trusting God with your finances? Are you trusting God with your family? Are you trusting God with your future? Are you abiding in Christ? It's the only way to live a blessed life. If you could close your eyes for a moment. I want to challenge you. Because I I know some of you in here, and because of what I know about you, I know that you're living a blessed life. You blessed my life. Many of you end up in sermon illustrations all the time at the Bridge Church. But we can get sidetracked. And like Josiah, sometimes we step outside of our identity in Christ. We don't want to. That's kind of the, you know, what Paul talked about. Like, I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. And we don't want to do that. But man, we're human and we do. God's grace is sufficient. And maybe you're here this morning and you've lived a blessed life. You do love the Lord. You love your church. You love your pastor. You love your community. You love where God has placed you and you're blooming where God has planted you. But maybe you're just a little worn out. I want to encourage you to release all of those things that you've been trying to do for the Lord this morning and allow him to do what he wants to do in your heart. And right now with your eyes closed, would you just kind of humor me and you can do this, you know, figuratively or literally just kind of open your palms, open your palms and just put them, you know, below your face and in an act of surrender, say, just say, God, I, 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 want, I want to seek you. Like Josiah, I, I want you to have my whole heart. Because here's the thing. You will not be able to be the mentors and the leaders and the coaches and the husbands and the, the wives and the teachers that, that you need to be for the students at Greater Beckley this year if you're not full. So release all of what you've tried to accomplish on your own and let God fill you up with his truth, with his grace, with his mercy, with his generosity. Maybe there's one area in your life this morning that has been keeping you from living the blessed life. Maybe you're holding on too tightly to what you have and you've not yet opened your poems to release everything that you have in recognition that it's all God's anyways. Maybe there's hidden sin in your life. It's kind of like that cloak that Josiah put on. Sometimes we put on that cloak and when we step outside of God's will and God's character, we become vulnerable to attacks from our enemy. 
And then the second challenge that I want to challenge you with this morning is to think about the students. When I was driving here from my parents' house this morning, I, I was trying to visualize as many of you by, by face as I could and, and by name, and I, I prayed for you by name. And for those that I didn't, I just kind of imagined the seats in the auditorium and I began praying for those individuals that were filling these seats. And that's what I want you to do for the students and the teachers at Greater Beckley right now. Maybe you know some students there. Picture their face in your mind and begin praying for them. That they would turn their heart wholeheartedly to the Lord. Not going to be a perfect student. May not get straight A's. But they're going to love God to the best of their ability with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just start praying for them right now in your seats. Just start praying for them. Pray for the teachers that they wouldn't get bogged down with the day-to-day and they wouldn't get frustrated with uh, the students who just don't seem to be getting it. I was one of those students and I'm thankful that there are teachers in this room who didn't give up on me. Even though I'm sure they wanted to. Begin praying for those teachers. That they would have a hashtag blessed year. Not because of who they are. But because of who God is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. I'm so thankful that I can live a blessed life simply by dying to myself. And allowing your life to be awakened in me. I thank you for that. I worship you for that. I ask that we would uh, have an incredible year at Greater Beckley, that, that those students who may not even know you personally yet would come to a, a saving knowledge of your grace, that they would believe in you for salvation and begin pursuing you with all their heart. I pray for the staff that there would be no dissension, no division among them, but they would be unified in heart and mind. They they would have the same attitude that Jesus has and humble themselves so that they could be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.